Sometimes when you mention the word meditation, people associate it with Eastern religions or yoga or New Age spirituality. However, there is a biblical form of meditation that is very important in developing a relationship with God. Find out the difference on this episode of Revealing the True Light. There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. In the last episode of Revealing the True Light, I covered the eight different kinds of meditation normally found in Eastern religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and shamanism, even in the mystical offshoot of Islam called Sufism and uh, contemplative prayer. In this episode of Revealing the True Light, I'm going to focus solely on biblically-based meditation what is biblically right and biblically true concerning meditation. And I believe this is going to be a very enriching episode for you because you're going to learn not just the wrong methods so you can identify them, but the right method so that you can implement it in your relationship with God. As I said on the last episode, let me tell you what it's not first. True biblical meditation is not mindless mechanical, manipulative, monotonous, monotone, mysterious, mystical, or mundane. It is very relational. It's a celebration of your relationship with God, and it's part of communion with God, which is a two-way street. You commune with God prayerfully and worshipfully, and He responds to you quite often. You don't cause it to happen. You don't uh, somehow manipulate God to respond, but you give him a space. You give him a time where you can enjoy your relationship together. See, God is a person. God is not an impersonal force. He's comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one God, an external God who comes to dwell in your heart at salvation, but still you have a relationship with him. To meditate is to think deeply, to ponder, or to contemplate. That's the basic meaning. But in the original Hebrew, the words translated meditate or meditation mean to murmur or to mutter, which is kind of strange you would think, why is that associated with meditation? Because if you murmur or mutter, it's under your breath. You're talking in a sense, in a very private way. And you could be talking to God privately, even as you go through your day-to-day business. But it also means reading the word where you speak it out loud. I counsel people often not just to read the word silently with your mind. You certainly get benefit from that. But if you read the Bible out loud, the Holy Spirit tends to anoint the reading of the Word, and it increases the amount of revelation that flows out of your time of meditation on the Word. So no wonder the Word means to mutter or to murmur. Uh, 
It can also mean to ruminate or to chew the cud, which is, of course, what a cow does when it's enjoying a meal of grass out in the field. It's chewing, it's chomping, it's enjoying the taste, and then it swallows it, and then it brings it back up again uh, to chew it once more. And I don't know how many times a cow will do that, but the cow has to fully digest it before it assimilates that food into its system. And that's really what meditation is. It's chewing the cud in a spiritual or supernatural sense. You meditate on certain things that we're going to cover in just a few moments, but you chew on it and chew on it and chew on it until you extract all the meaning out, until you extract all the unveiling of the mystery out of what you're meditating on. And it's not something that happens momentarily with a flash of inspiration always. Sometimes it takes prayerful, lengthy, uh, worshipful times of communion with God to fully digest what you're meditating about. Let me give you two biblical prayers concerning meditation. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Underline the word acceptable. Next, Psalm 104, verses 33 and 34. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. So you're not just interested in meditation being sweet to you. You're interested in your meditation being sweet to him. Underline the word sweet in your mind. The complete Jewish Bible translates this phrase pleasing. And it says, may my musings be pleasing to him. Underline the word pleasing in your mind. Acceptable, sweet, and pleasing. None of those words would be used if someone chanted a mantra a thousand times. That's not acceptable to God. That's not pleasing to God. That's not pleasant to God. That's not sweet to God. It's sweet to God when you utter loving phrases like my wife Elizabeth says to me on a daily basis. And it's sweet to me. But if she got in my face and chanted something a hundred times in a monotone voice, I'd say that's not sweet. That's crazy. That's no way of communing between a husband and wife. That's just a mechanical kind of approach that certainly doesn't work with human beings, and it definitely does not work with God. Meditation is only acceptable, sweet, and pleasing to him when it's sincere, genuine, authentic, and from the heart. Meditation must be done that way or it's futile and vain and just a religious ritual. So how do we meditate? Number one, we meditate on God's word. That's a primary way I try to meditate every single day. God himself explained this key revelation when he spoke to Joshua in the beginning of the book of Joshua. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, 
but you shall meditate on it day and night. And then God went on to say that you might make your way prosperous and that you might have good success. And so living a life of meditation has a lot to do with whether or not you prosper in the things of God. And that word prosperity doesn't always mean material gain. It's a rich biblical word that means being wealthy in the things of God spiritually and emotionally and mentally and a lot of other ways. But anyway, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So learn to confess it, decree it, declare it, mutter it, utter it. Because as you speak it to yourself and to others, it enhances the reality of what you believe and makes it more real. And you shall meditate in it day and night. That's how you pray without ceasing, which would be an impossible thing to do if it had to be a very mechanical way of praying. But all through your day, you're thinking about the Word of God and comparing it to your decisions and your thoughts and your actions and your interactions with other people. And it will cause you to live a more ethical and moral life and cause you to be more honest in your dealings with other people. And it will cause you to overflow with the revelation of God in your life so that you can impact the world around you. Other Bible passages exhort us to meditate on the Word of God, like all of these in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Chew on it ruminate, try and extract all the meaning from single verses that you read in your morning devotional time. Think about the verse all day long until you fully comprehend its meaning and implement it in your life. That's how you meditate. You meditate not just by sitting in a chair and thinking. It's something you do all day long. It is my meditation all day long. I'm constantly mentally in a, not in a tense way, but in a comfortable and pleasing way to God, meditating on his word. Psalm 119 verse 48 says, my hands also will I lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. And then Psalm 119 verse 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches, I do that quite often, laying there wide awake with my eyes open for 30 minutes or an hour. But use that time. Like the psalmist who said, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. And then Psalm 119 verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. That's when you get teaching and training direct from God. The Holy Spirit uses those moments because he's the teacher who comes to teach you all things and lead you into all truth. When we meditate on God's word, which is the logos, the written word, quite often God uses those moments. It's not a magical way of controlling or manipulating a response from him, but quite often God uses those moments to speak into your life the rhema, which is also translated word in the Bible, but it means the living word, uh, a living, present communication from God to your heart. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 talks about the rewards 
of doing this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now here's the rewards. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Wow. So God says if you meditate on his word and on his commandments, on his law, and the word translated law there is Torah, it meant the first five books of the Bible. That was before the New Testament existed. So it would embrace the entirety of the word now. But if you do that, you'll be like a tree planted by a river of water. A river has a constant fresh flow of water. It's not stagnant water. It's flowing water, like flowing inspiration, flowing enlightenment, flowing understanding, deeper understanding of the things of God. And that comes through meditation. So you meditate on God's word and God takes the written word and lifts it up to the next level of the living word. And not only that, it causes you to bring forth fruit in your season. And fruit can mean the character of God developed in you or the works of God manifested in your life. And it says your leaf will not wither. In other words, discouragement and disheartened attitudes won't cause you to just droop spiritually and emotionally and mentally. And whatever you do will prosper. Wow, what an overarching promise that if you meditate on the Word of God all through your day, it's going to cause God to prosper the work of your hands. You want that to infiltrate your business matters, all that you're involved in, whether it's in school or what have you. Whatever you do will prosper. So it keeps us rooted. If you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water, meditating all through your day keeps you rooted. And the word blessed is attached to it also. And the word blessed means happy, supremely happy, enriched with benefits, spiritually prosperous, highly favored of God. All that happens for the person that meditates not only on the Torah, but on the entirety of the word of God and eternal fruit manifest in our lives as a result. Also, the next thing you want to meditate on is God's works and his name. I have scripture for both. Psalm 119 verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. Psalm 145 verse 5 says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I love to walk outside at night on a real starlit night when millions of stars are sparkling in the universal dome overhead. And the greatness of the universe just helps me meditate on the greatness of the one who brought it into existence. And I'm meditating on his wondrous works with respect to the immensity of creation, the macrocosm, all the way down to the microcosm, the visible and the invisible worlds that he's created. What a mighty God is he. 
And to dwell on that prayerfully and worshipfully is a wonderful thing. But I also meditate on his wondrous works that he's done in my life, how he saved me, brought me into the kingdom in 1970 out of Eastern religions to becoming a follower of Jesus and all the miracles that have been wrought in my life since. Both my children are miracles. Our marriage was put together by God. I think about that, how God directed Elizabeth and directed me toward each other and, and all his wondrous works ministerially in my life. I like to ponder those things, the visions I've received, the audible spoken word revelations he's given me. And you shouldn't just take those and then go on with your life and forget about them. I have a whole list of everything God's ever spoken to me for 40 or 50 years. And many times I go back to that list and ponder and meditate. And I draw new understanding out of it. So there's Nothing weird or magical or mystical about that is relational. It's part of valuing what God has done in your life and valuing your relationship with him. Now, the Bible also talks about meditating on his name. Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard it. The Lord listened and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. How do you do that? Well, I do it almost every day when I pray. Remember, Jesus said, when you pray, do it in this manner. He never said, repeat it word for word, simply in a memorized way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. When I get to that line, I often start using the various names attributed to God in Scripture. I refer to him as El Shaddai, the Almighty God, and I remind him what a mighty God he is, or El Elyon, which means the Most High. And I talk to him how he's higher than anything else in my life. Or I meditate on the name uh, uh, the name El, which just means the Mighty God, or Elohim, which is the mysterious way God revealed the Godhead because it's a plural word translated singular, indicating the plurality, yet the oneness of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet these three are one. Then he refers to himself in Scripture as Yahweh Rapha, the Lord our healer, Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace, Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, Yahweh Rea, the Lord our shepherd, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, which means the God of an army of angels, that are poised and ready for battle, and the name Jesus, which is the name above every name, which comes from the Hebrew Yeshua, which means salvation. Just meditating on that name should cause you to have an increased faith in God's salvation power in your life. No wonder Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. So it's a good thing to meditate on the names of God and help release greater faith within yourself by doing so, that he will back up those names with a performance of what those names declare. I have one more scripture I want to bring out. That's Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, so what better scripture could I choose than one that says finally, because this is my final thought. Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, Paul said, meditate on these things. Wow, that covers a lot of territory in your life. Not just meditating on things that refer to your relationship with God and gain greater depth of understanding in the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but there's a lot of praiseworthy things in your life, like goals you've set for yourself in your career. Meditate on those things, and God will often speak to you inspirational thoughts about how to uh, achieve those goals in a more successful way. So let me repeat it. Whatever is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, if it's praiseworthy in any way, start meditating on those things every single day. That's true biblical meditation. And if you want to know more about this whole subject, as I said before on the last episode, go to thetruelight.net, go to writings, and then under writings, find the article that is called Meditation Investigation. And I go into greater detail there. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.